When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Dan. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And Mary Kay Cabot and I are going to discuss Baker Mayfield over the next four to six months here and what that might look like. Uh, he posted that video on Instagram and Twitter after he had surgery to repair that torn labrum in his left shoulder. And so we kind of respond to that and go through how the Browns might approach this, what it's going to look like when he eventually gets back onto the practice field and more. So that's coming up here on the podcast. We've got our awards show coming Monday, so make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and also make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information and get yourself signed up. All right, here we go. Our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're going to spend a little time talking about Baker Mayfield. Uh, look, we talk a lot about Baker on this podcast. But Mary Kay, I thought it would be sort of important and useful to, now that the surgery's done, he put up his Instagram and Twitter posts, his video saying that everything went well. We have an idea of what the rehab's going to look like to sort of take a look at this next four to six months, what it looks like for Baker, what it means for Baker. So, you know, we joked during the season that you had gotten to the point where you could probably have performed the surgery yourself. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, he did not ask you to perform the surgery because I'm sure you could have made some pretty good money doing it, but that's beside the point. I, I guess, what can you tell us about, you know, the fact that, you know, you reported that it was just the labrum, there, there was nothing additional there. So what can you kind of tell us about where things are now and, and sort of how this process is going to look? Well, first of all, that was a big relief to Baker Mayfield and the people around him uh, that it wasn't anything more than the torn labrum. Because especially when you even look at that last game or second last, well, the, his last game against the Steelers, when he got sacked nine times, uh, you might have thought that uh, something could have gotten a little jarred in there. Or, you know, if that pops out again, you can get uh, another broken bone or whatever the case may be. So fortunately for him and for everyone, for the Cleveland Browns, it was nothing but the fully torn labrum, which for the most part is a pretty simple, uh, you know, sew it up, uh, you know, stitch it up and you're, and you're done. Um, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I, I, it might have even been an arthroscopic procedure, um, but it, it wasn't something where, uh, you know, where there was a lot of structural damage. They didn't have to do anything with bone fragments or anything like that. So that is, uh, as I wrote back in October, when I talked to the surgeon that is the partner of Dr. Orr Limpus Fosti, um, they're both uh, Anaheim Ducks team physicians and they work for uh, the Cedars-Sinai 
Curlin Job Institute in Los Angeles. That's his shoulder specialist. But he told me back in October that this was going to be a four to six month recovery, even though it's his non-throwing shoulder. I mean, because what you want to do is you need uh, the, the, you need the, the area to heal completely first, and then you need to strengthen all the muscles around there. And you want to make sure that this thing is completely healthy before you take a hit on it, before you do any of those kinds of things. So four to six months, um, he's in LA right now, and then he will head back to Austin. So most of his uh, recuperation will take place back in his hometown in Austin. That's where his family is. He's got a house there. He's got a boat there. That is where, of course, normally he would be hosting teammates for Camp Mayfield. Now, if he does something like that between now and April, he won't necessarily be able to participate from a throwing standpoint. But I mean, you never know. I mean, maybe he will still, just from a camaraderie standpoint, invite some guys down, try to do the whole, uh, you know, just cookouts, you know, some boating and things like that. I mean, uh, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for him to do that because that's so vitally important, especially in, uh, you know, in this era of COVID that, you know, you want to be able to get guys together. You want them uh, to have that team feel. And as you know, Dan, when we talked to guys on, in their exit interviews uh, that, you know, there was this vibe of, Hey, you know, we need more unity on the football team. So I think that would go a long way. Yeah, that, that's interesting. It, I mean, so much of that, it always feels like so much of it is, is just like for the gram, but it does matter to get guys together and hang out. And, you know, you never know how it's going to play out like with Odell Beckham this year, but uh, you know, it never hurts to kind of get guys together and get them in the, in the same space to hang out and, and build some of that, like you were saying, camaraderie. So four to six months, the Browns released a statement basically saying that he could resume light throwing in April and participate in the off-season program on a limited basis. Uh, the off-season program, if it's normal this year, really doesn't get going with on-field work until early May, and they don't start OTAs till mid-May. So what do you think that ultimately will look like for Baker? Well, you know, I think that he will be very limited until he gets to training camp. You don't want to mess anything up in May. There's no games are going to be won or lost in May. And you need your quarterback really, really healthy uh, by training camp. And even then, I think they're going to have to be a little bit careful with him, even though they say that he'll be full go by the start of training camp. You know, they're going to have to monitor and, and watch it because they don't want him to have to wear protection or a harness or those things that seem to bother him. So I would say very limited during on-field OTAs. And, and I'm sure that they will show up for OTAs, but they're, remember how last year when it was like the whole uh, the NFLPA <laughs> didn't even want guys showing up for OTAs. And, uh, you know, one of the, the, uh, you know, big chunks of OTAs, they were down in Austin, uh, for a camp Mayfield. So, uh, not exactly sure how that will go this year, but no matter where they work out or practice, he will be limited until training camp starts. And even when you get to training camp, uh, the good thing about it is that you don't hit the quarterback in training camp. There's no contact until you get to the preseason games. So from the end of July into the first preseason game, which could be early this year, as we talked about, that you've got another, you know, couple of weeks there where you're in camp, but you don't have to worry about taking a hit. 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess even in the preseason games, they might play it safe. He, he didn't play in a preseason game this year when things were right until the last right. one in Atlanta. So they might even decide to play that safe again too, uh, going into this year. So I think what's interesting here is, you know, you're going to need a quarterback, right? You're going to need a guy to handle the reps at those OTAs. Now you had to do that last year too, because Baker wasn't there, but you're probably going to need somebody to take on a share of the reps at, at mini camp, even in training camp, early in training camp, you might want a guy to kind of help out a little bit and just sort of be, I don't want to say a camp arm because that's not where I'm going with this, but I guess I wonder, does this almost increase the likelihood that we could see that Mayfield matrix scenario where they sign like a legit quarterback because they, they just kind of need a guy. Well, I think from the standpoint of the injury, it really does seem like uh, the kind of injury that you don't have to worry about too much once it's all healed. So I don't know if they would, you know, sign a, a Mitch Trubisky because he had sur- because Baker had a surgery, um, but they still might do that just because as we dealt with in our, our matrix series, because it might seem like the right thing to do to bring in somebody that, who could start games for you and who could get you through a football season in the event that you need that to happen. So I think anything can happen this off season in terms of the quarterback situation, in terms of uh, Case Keenum coming back, not coming back. Um, I mean, I think as of right now, Case will be back. Uh, that seems to be the plan, but yeah, they, they could add another arm or two, you know, even if it's just a, a practice squad, quarterback or you know a third string fourth string kind of guy like the Lottelettas and uh you know Nick Mullins type of level of a guy okay so let's fast forward here I mean look it's going to be quiet here for a little while with Baker there's not really going to be much to see I don't think we're going to see a bunch of Instagram videos of him throwing because he can't but when we show up to let's say OTAs in mid-May or mini camp I guess what are you going to watch for What, what do you want to see with Baker is it just, hey, is he throwing the ball or do you want to see more? Well, I think one of the things that he can work on a little bit and, and not right away, but I think he can work on his footwork uh, in the offseason too. Even if he can't throw, uh, I think there are some things that he can do with his footwork. So he does need to get that cleaned up a little bit. So that's one thing to watch. But when he does start to throw, even on a limited basis, I want to see how the ball comes out and I want to see where it ends up and the type of revolution that he has on it. But the weird part about it is I thought it looked good in practice, even with the harness on. I thought that the ball speed was good. I I thought the trajectory was good. I thought the accuracy looked good. So it, you know, once he got into the game and it just didn't go the way that he wanted it to, it was almost kind of surprising uh, because it didn't look that way to me in practice. How about you? I agree. Like when we would watch, and, and we only can see individual stuff. So we didn't see him going against team in, in regular season practice. Seemed like the ball was getting where it needed to go. It didn't seem like there was a lack of velocity. It, it didn't, like when the ball was hitting the ground, it was usually because it was a, like if a receiver dropped it, it wasn't because he overthrew somebody or just missed somebody. It, it seemed like he was throwing pretty normally in those situations, which, which almost makes me wonder, was it just one of those things where when there was pressure, when there was, when there were game situations, for whatever reason, he stopped kind of trusting himself or trusting his feet or, you know, trusting some of that stuff. And if, 
you know, that's all kind of a little concerning because, you know, you said it, the injuries can certainly heal. It's not something that's going to linger, but the mental side of it, he's got to rebuild a lot of that. He really does. I think the confidence is so huge this off season. And I think one of the ways that, that he can uh, work on his confidence in addition to watching his own film, uh, I think just watching a ton of defensive film and, and maybe breaking down his own game a lot, but also just uh, being able to process the game a little quicker, I think is going to help him. So just studying and studying and repping it and repping it and understanding what defenses tried to do to him this season, uh, because they did different things to him this season. So I would watch a lot of his own film from this year and really take a good hard look at it and and try to find figure out you know what do you do in this situation where you know maybe they're IDing the the play action a certain way uh, so that it's not as easy to fool them on whether it's the run or the pass or do I need to check it down here or did I miss the open guy over there uh, I think he needs to take a unflinching my favorite word look <laughs> at his own game from 2021 and uh, and really try to get better that way So the surgery is done. You know, I'm just wondering, look, we love to do this stuff. It's the off season. When you parsed through kind of what he had to say in that video, did he, and if, if people haven't seen the video or read what he had to say, you can go to cleveland.com slash browns. We got stories on it. Uh, Mary Kay wrote a couple of stories on it, actually, uh, on what day is, what day is today? We're recording this on Thursday. So it was Wednesday. Who knows? It's the off season. I don't know what day it is anymore. Um, did anything stand out to you in that video that he said? Yes, actually, Dan things did stand out to me in that video. Uh, there, there seemed to be, uh, he addressed a lot of the angst that he felt during the season. And I, I think that that's probably the number one thing that stood out to me uh, was that he was talking about, uh, you know, when he said, you know, my story is not over, uh, but he, you know, he said he's going to come back a bet, not just a better football player, but a better person. I mean, I think uh, he went through heck this year. I think the Odell situation rattled the hell out of him. I, I really do. I think it, it took a lot out of him and, uh, and it made him question and doubt a little bit who was for him, who was against him. And I think it did result in some of the, uh, some of the lack of unity that we heard all those guys talking about. Uh, I think it made him wonder a little bit, you know, to, are the defensive guys wishing Odell was st still here? Are they mad that we're not score scoring off of these turnovers? I think he started to doubt himself a little bit. And he talked about that after the 2019 season, that he did doubt himself then. And of course, uh, these guys are young and they're human. And when things are not going your way, it's only natural to start doubting yourself a little bit. So I think just building that confidence back up is so key, but that really stood out to me, Dan, just the emotional aspect of what he went through. Yeah. And I, I think when he kind of admitted it was hard on him and his family, mm -hmm. you know, it just feels like, I mean, look, those are the people who know how hurt he really was. And we've talked about it, the injury, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to know exactly how much it did and didn't affect his play this year. Maybe we, I guess if he comes out and has a top 10 year next year, maybe we, we will just chalk it up to that. But you know, certainly it, it took a toll on him. Like, like you said, it, like hearing that criticism and probably hearing even his coaches not not necessarily willing to embrace the fact that, that he was hurt and that that was affecting him. And it, it definitely felt like this was, maybe this was the first time he kind of admitted it took a toll on him. 
Mm -hmm. I think there were maybe patches here and there where maybe he did during the season, but I think this was kind of the first time where it was like, yeah, okay. This was a really difficult season for him and the people around. Yeah. And you could see that there were, uh, you know, that there were cracks along the way and he was showing signs of strain and we could see it. You could see it when he walked off the field after the Detroit victory and just, I mean, stalked off the field and, you know, didn't congratulate anybody, shake anybody's hand, you know, celebrate the victory in any way, walked in, wouldn't talk, came out the next day, still seemed frustrated. I mean, there was, there, there was a lot of that. I mean, there were signs that he was not doing well or not handling things very well. And I have to wonder, I do have to wonder, did, you know, did the team do enough in the aftermath, in the wake of the Odell departure? to heal the wounds of, of that situation. Now, maybe they did because they seem like the kinds, kind of guys that do that. I mean, Kevin Stefanski seems so proactive to me in terms of addressing those kinds of elephants in the middle of the room and taking care of stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I still think that, uh, that Baker was really hurt by that and it shook his confidence. And how could it not when you've got LeBron James on the OBJ team and your own teammates on the OBJ team, right? Even now, as OBJ is succeeding in the playoffs, you see that he has support of some of his, you know, his former Browns teammates. And I think that was hard. I think that was hard uh, for Baker to, to manage and navigate that because I think it made him question himself a little bit and wonder about like, Who's with me? Who's not with me? And it was a difficult situation for everybody involved. Yeah. And, you know, as you were saying that, it kind of struck me too. It didn't feel like, and I look, the Browns won eight and nine. This wasn't a fun season, but it didn't feel like Baker was really having fun after a certain point. Even when they won, it was kind of like, mm-hmm. like early in the year, you know, he did a, he did a press conference where he threw in like five, Kanye West references, right? And we all remember a few years ago when he was throwing in office references and press conferences, these little challenges they would give him in the quarterback room. And we just, we didn't see that even when they won, like after the Cincinnati game, you didn't, you know, I didn't feel like, I'm talking about the first one. I didn't feel like it was like fun, you know? And, and obviously, like I said, the, the season was brutal. It didn't go the way anyone expected. He was hurt. Um, and, and there wasn't, there weren't a lot of opportunities to have fun, but even when they were there, it just didn't feel like he was even enjoying the moments that where you could kind of enjoy things. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. And, and when you think about that Cincinnati game, that big victory over Cincinnati, that was right in the aftermath. That was in the days after the Odell Beckham Jr. Saga and, you know, I did feel like his teammates rallied around him and made plays for him in that game. But I still think that he was completely shaken up at that point. I mean, he was he was still completely rattled at that point. And um, and so, yeah, and I think that lingered on throughout the rest of the season. And then, as we've talked about so many times before, even though Jarvis Landry supported Baker Mayfield, uh, he never came out and publicly stated that. And, you know, I think that would have helped out a little bit you know, for, for the leader of the receiver room to come out and say, we've got his back, we're for him, 
you know, we're rallying around him. We're going to do everything that we can. We need to pick up our level of play. But I think some of the offensive players, um, I don't think Baker was the only, and I've, I've written about this. I've written that he had concerns and questions about the play calling and about whether or not he was always, had always been put in the best positions to succeed. And he even admitted that in the, you know, after the Pittsburgh Steelers game, he admitted that he did not elaborate on it, but there were some issues there. And we know that even if we didn't have sources that tell us that, I mean, he did come out after two games and question the play calling. So we know there was some of that going on and I don't think it was just him. And so, and when he, when he told Alex Smith, um, it might've been before that Steelers game that he, uh, you know, that he had to fix relationships in the building. I mean, there was just stuff going on that we don't know about. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was just stuff going on. And I think it's going to be one of those situations where he sits down with like a Jay Glazer or somebody and he just opens up and tells somebody like exactly how he felt about everything last year. Yeah. There, there's a lot that there's a lot that wasn't said, but you could sort of figure out and mm-hmm. uh, what was being said and kind of how, people were handling things and you, you could just tell that disconnect was real you know I mean obviously you did a lot of reporting on it and, and you wrote that big story on it but uh, I mean it was real like like you could see it you could feel it um, and, and it was like that that story everything you had in there just sort of confirmed a lot of that stuff like that that was really there no matter what Baker tweeted in the aftermath yeah and I you know and and then if you didn't believe it at that point you know i think that when you heard john johnson coming out and talking about the disconnect between the defense and the offense i think that drove home the point that there were issues there were communication issues and um and that that something was just off and you had been saying that for a long time dan you had been saying for for months that something is off with this football team Right. And I think that some of those guys pinpointed it in those exit interviews that, yeah, like we just didn't feel uh, united offense and defense. And that can happen when you've got a defense that's holding teams to 16 points in nine of 12 games or whatever. And you've got an offense that's scoring 17 or fewer points in 10 of their last 14 games. You can, you know, you can start to feel the rift a little bit like, hey, what's going on? And it shouldn't be that way. Obviously, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, but sometimes it just takes more communication. So I think I actually asked Greg Newsom this in one of the exit interviews, you know, do you guys have any plans to get together, you know, offsite, you know, sort of offense and defensive guys, not just a passing camp over here or, uh, you know, a pass rush camp over there and a tight end camp over there. You know what I mean? Not just tight end university and Von Miller pass rush. I mean, maybe they need to have, you know, a couple little, team building offense and defense together type of situations. That's what I would do. So I don't know if, if anybody will do it. I mean, maybe Baker should do it. I mean, if Baker really wants to be the leader of this football team, maybe he should take the time uh, to invite people down just for a team building session. Like, you know, like we saw last year, he's got the boat, he's got the house, he's got, you know, I mean, you can, you can do something like that. It doesn't have to be the whole team, but you know, you take, eight guys on eight, nine guys on defense, eight, nine guys on offense and see if you can't get something going. Yeah. And, you know, look, I, I don't want to make too much of the off season program, but 
some of that stuff can happen if guys are in the building, right. you know, for workouts and for OTAs. I mean, these 10 OTA practices and you get, you get this mandatory mini camp. I mean, these guys are around each other a lot and it's a training camp like environment, especially that mandatory mini camp. It can, I mean, that, that's certainly an area where I think it can help when you get all those guys together on the practice field and in meeting rooms and in the weight room and, and you do lose that without the off-season program. I mean, is the off-season program necessary for win a champ to win a championship? Maybe not, but it, it certainly doesn't help to be around the guys a little extra in the spring. Yeah, you're very, very right about that. And somehow it seems to me uh, that the defense, even though those guys were all just sort of thrown together, uh, it, it still seems to me like somehow, and I think it's because of some of the personalities on the defense, it seems to me that they did develop a, a good bond together on the defensive side of the ball. It, it seemed like, you know, like they, they were almost a little bit more of a brotherhood or they just felt a little bit more of that family feel on that side of the ball. Uh, so I think, I think it's there and I think it's possible, but you know, they need to reach across the locker room and pull in the other side of the ball and, uh, and see if they can't get, something better going on. But again, I, I think a lot of it had to do with uh, the departure of Odell. One last thing that, that he did say in that video that I thought was interesting, and it kind of stuck out a little bit. So it was sort of like, wait, what? When he said, this is not the end of my story, which I thought was interesting, because I don't think anybody has written like the Baker Mayfield career obituary yet. I, I think obviously there's been talk of, is this the end of him in Cleveland? And maybe that's what he's getting at. But I thought, I thought that was an interesting line. That was interesting. I actually used that as my headline on the story because I thought that was the most compelling thing that he said. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because I thought the same thing. Uh, I don't think we have ever wondered if this is the end of Baker Mayfield's story or career or anything like right. that. <laughs> um, so I think that might be a function of, he took a beating from the national media. I mean, a beating from the national media this season. He really did. And some of those games where he did not play well, just so happened to be on national television in front of the world on Christmas day or on Monday night football, the next game after that. And it just seemed like, I mean, I think, you know, we did actually watch those two games back to back. And in the moment, it does have a feeling of finality to it. It does have a feeling like this isn't going well. Like, what is this? Um, but, and nationally, I think a lot of people did write him off, you know? So I, I think that that might be his reaction to that. And I don't think locally we wrote him off and thought it was the end of the story, but I can't honestly say, uh, that I don't feel like the national media, uh, in some respects felt that way. Yeah. I think, I think even when we've discussed, like, is this the end for him in Cleveland? It's like, oh, he'll go someplace else and play. You know, somebody else will bring him in and give him a chance. You know what, I, I guess, so right. even if you go to that extreme of like, this is the end for him here, and I don't think any of us felt like he'd be out of the league. It, it, was, just a, it was just an interesting line because this wasn't, it was a serious injury, but it, you know, it wasn't an Achilles, it wasn't an ACL, it wasn't something career-threatening. It was you know, torn labrum surgery, like you mentioned it, as long as everything heals up, okay, it's not going to be a lingering issue. Right, exactly, 100%. So it was somewhat dramatic. It was a, it was a, a dramatic video with some deep themes in it, and some, you know, and some pretty, 
profound feelings expressed in that video. Um, so you're right. It was it wasn't just the run of the mill, which is what I thought it was going to be when we were going to find out about the surgery. I thought he was going to say, had the surgery. It went well. Everything's great. I'm going to rehab. I'm going to be back. I'm going to do everything I can. Uh, but but he put a lot more uh, in there than than I was anticipating. And and he you know, he showed his hand a little bit that, you know, that this was uh, a tough, emotional, emotional toll on him. And that, you know, and I think that the end of the story thing confirms what we have been saying, that he needs to rebuild his confidence and get back to feeling really good about himself and his game and, uh, you know, get back to having fun playing the game. Like you said, he did not have fun this year. And, um, and you know, maybe it's hard to have fun when, again, so many things around you are not going well and the ball isn't always going where you want it to go. Uh, it's difficult. It's not fun uh, to not have success. And he had so much success at the college level. Like everything just turned to gold for him uh, at Oklahoma and Texas Tech. And, um, and it just, it hasn't been that way. It has been a roller coaster. And when I hear him say things like, I have to fix relationships in the building, I still wonder what he means by that. Like, I don't know what he means by that. Some people tell me, he still means, you know, the aftermath, the wake of the Odell Beckham Jr. departure. But I'm not sure that's what he means. I'm curious. I want to know what he means by that. Yeah. Uh, well, look, it's going to be something to watch. Maybe this is a time heals all wounds situation. He comes back and a new season and everything's behind him. I guess we'll see. Uh, some of it might depend on who's still left on the roster, too. When, when the off-season smoke kind of clears as, as well. Uh, and as it happens, we will discuss it here on this podcast. Now, we've got the awards show that we're going to do coming up on Monday. That's the whole group. Uh, we're going to hand out some awards for the 2021 season, so that's coming up on Monday. Make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk feed. And we did the quarterback draft. You missed the quarterback draft. I don't know what you're doing. Go back and listen to that. Uh, that came out on Thursday. Again, just check those Orange and Brown Talk feeds. And if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash browns for Drew Banner at the top of the page. Get all the info and get signed up. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.